secular world adopted one of the single most stupid ideas a human can adopt, that human nature is basically good. Everyone who is, anyone with any wisdom knows what nonsense that is. Just the modicum of wisdom. That is the great dividing line, by the way, between the stupid and the non-stupid. If you believe people are basically good, you may be a member of Mensa, which is also stupid. Why would you join a group based on IQ? What does that tell you about someone? Nothing, nothing, nothing. This division is huge. We, Jews and Christians, who take the Bible seriously, and not all Jews and Christians do, uh, we know that human nature is flawed, to say the least. Yates, forgive me, on rare occasions I quote the Hebrew, not to impress you, but because that's what I learned it in, and so I then I have to translate. Yetzir lev ha'adam raminurav, the will of man's heart is toward evil from his youth. Right? What is it? Uh, eight, twelve? I, 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 is it? Christians know their numbers. I, I, I <laughs> Somebody comes over to me and goes, Dennis, Zechariah 6.3. It's a Christian. I know it. I know it immediately. <laughs> Jew comes over to Zechariah 6.3. I think it's Zechariah's running in a race. And he's 6.3 odds. <laughs> anyway... Only because I, I, I kid around about both Jews and Christians because I'm so comfortable with both. But uh, the Christians know, a lot of Jews know their scripture, but not, not the verse and chapter like as well as Christians. Anyway, the verse is man's heart is towards evil. The will of man's heart is towards evil from his youth. We know that. I learned that in third grade. In third grade, this is no credit to me at all. I believe that, let's say by fifth grade, I believe I had more wisdom than 95% of the students at Harvard. And it had nothing to do with me. Nothing. I achieved nothing. But I was learning the Bible half the day. I knew people were not basically good in fifth grade. And so I knew the key to good and evil. The key to good and evil is people must fight their natures. That's the key. As I have said all of my radio career, the great difference or one great difference between secular and religious education, and I don't care if it's secular public school or secular private school, is this. I was taught from the earliest age, the greatest problem in Dennis Prager's life is Dennis Prager. That's what I was taught. Every kid in my class was taught that about him or herself. In secular school, you learn that the greatest problem in your life is America, your parents, or anything outside of you. That's why you can't be wise in the secular world. You can have knowledge. You can't have wisdom. The secular world has no wisdom. None. Are there any secular people with wisdom? Sure. And they got it from the Judeo-Christian roots of the Western world. Otherwise, they have none. 
There is no wise secular institution. The stupidest institutions in the Western world are universities. You know why? They're the most secular. So you learn you're not your problem, your parents are your problem, or now America is your problem. Racist, sexist, homophobic, bigoted, misogynist, uh, patriarchal, heteronormative America is the problem. The greatest country ever made is your biggest problem. They're sick. That is sick. I interviewed, not on, not, well, yes, on radio, but as well privately. This was private. So I, I know a bunch of uh, recovering addicts. They're, they're all, they've all been sober five or more years. They're all around uh, or under 30. So I asked one of them, this was in Pennsylvania, and this was priceless. I asked him, his name is Keegan. I said, Keegan, when did you decide to get sober? The guy didn't even think. There was like a one nanosecond space between my question and his answer. The day I stopped blaming my parents for my problems. Pretty big, huh? Pretty big. I'm telling you, there's, there's a bunch of recovering addicts in Pennsylvania I meet uh, uh, whenever I go there. My son lives there, so, and, and these are some of his friends. And I'm telling you, I say this, uh, I, I would put my hand on a Bible for the sincerity of my statement. The average AA meeting has more wisdom than Princeton, Yale, and Stanford put together. Uh, and, and I learned this, I learned this from the radio. I've been on radio for 38 years. People call me from all over America, sometimes even the world. And a lot of times they come out with these brilliant insights. And I go, where'd you pick that up, AA? Where'd you pick that up, AA? AA, AA, AA? I knew nothing about AA. And then I started to read, I read the big book and I started studying. And of course, it's all predicated on the higher power. That's the whole, there's, it doesn't work without God. It doesn't work. There is no secular answer to addiction. There is no secular answer to anything. Yeah. And I'd like you to know, I'd like you to know when, when I realized this. I actually, I wrote about it. It's on the internet. I have a thousand columns there. If you want to binge read, you'll do well. They're very good columns. About 25 years ago, I originally wrote a column titled, How I Found God at Columbia, which is not the common thing that people write about. But it happened, and I, and I, I took a vow in the beginning of my, my radio career never to exaggerate. It works for a while, but over time, people don't take you seriously. So this is exactly as it happened, and I call it the only epiphany of my life. To be clear, I never had a theophany. God has never appeared to me directly. God appears to me anytime I read the Bible, but that is separate. But I've never had a theophany. But I did have one and only one epiphany. Something that out of nowhere came to me and has guided my thinking ever since. When I was at Columbia at graduate school, 
I was learning a lot of nonsense. Even in the 70s, it's not, it, this is, it's worse today. Today it's a cesspool. Uh, but it is, it is. Columbia University is a cesspool. I'll back that up in a moment. And, and, but, but, then it was just a wasteland. It has gone from wasteland down. And I didn't understand how could brilliant people, they were all brilliant. My professors were very bright. High IQs, massive amount of knowledge. They were teaching me drivel. They taught me that men and women were basically the same. This is not new. I learned this in the 70s. Men and women are basically the same. And I knew that was that I'm being taught stupidity. My grandmother, who never went to high school, knew how different men and women were. Maybe, be, maybe because she didn't go to high school. In, in any event, I was taught as well. My field was international relations. I studied Russian. I went to communist countries a lot. And uh, I was taught that the US and the USSR were moral equivalents. They were both just superpowers fighting for power. And that the only difference between communism and capitalism was that one had one way of dealing with economics and the other was another way. It wasn't a matter of freedom versus tyranny. It was capitalism versus Marxism. That's what I was taught. So I was going a little nuts. And most of the students, or nearly all, believed what they were being told. That's, they're the people who were teaching this generation all the bad stuff that they learned. So then I, I was going a little crazy. Why is this happening? And I give you my word of honor, in the middle of the campus, 116th Street and Broadway in Manhattan, all of a sudden, a verse in Hebrew came to me. I had not said it since first grade. In my Jewish school, I went to Jewish schools till, I mean, really Jewish schools, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English, very serious studies. And I last said this in first grade. In first grade, we said every day a few things from the Bible, and then we said others in other years, but I had not said it since first grade. It came to my brain, wisdom begins with fear of God. And then I realized this was the epiphany. You know why there's no wisdom at Columbia? Because there's no God at Columbia. There was no wisdom in the 1970s. Today, it is much worse. Today, last year, Columbia University had a separate graduation for black students. You know who supports that? The Ku Klux Klan and Columbia. There is no difference between left and Ku Klux Klan when it comes to race. They both have contempt for blacks and they both believe in segregation. And I challenge any leftist in America, I will pay you, any columnist at the New York Times, $20,000 to debate me anywhere in the country on that issue. But, but my friends, but they don't debate. There's no fee I could pay. I offered before Larry Elder ran, Larry and I have been close for 30 years. I brought him to radio, I am, I am so proud of that fact. He is such a, a giant. And I, I offered before he ever ran for governor, I said, I will pay 10, $20,000 to any left wing charity you want. 
for Ibram X. Kendi or Ta-Nehisi Coates or the author of White Fragility, any of them to debate Larry Elder anywhere in the country. Have your own moderator. Bring four of you. He'll still have a massive advantage. There is a lesson. The left does not debate. Never. They never debate. They smear. The Los Angeles Times, to its everlasting contempt, said that Larry Elder was the black face of white supremacy. And the scum who wrote that is still employed as a columnist at the Los Angeles Times. Scum is right. That's correct. Forgive me for the language. I can't. It's, that's the best term I could. <laughs> he, he's my man. He is my man. I got to tell you. You're blessed with, uh, with him and, and this church. This is. So all, all of this is a very important thing to understand. The, the death of God and the death of Judeo-Christian values leads to the death of society. This, what, you know, I, I tell my fellow Jews, what happened in Europe when Christianity died? What did we get? Boy Scouts? We got fascists, communists, and Nazis. What are we going to get in America when that dies? Answer me. I just want to know. Ask anybody. Ask your friends. Ask your friends who vote Democrat. They're nice people, by the way. The amount of harm nice people do is immense. It's just, uh, you know, I'll tell you where I learned that. Minnesota. I mean it. There's a term, Minnesota nice, because they're so nice in Minnesota. I've been there 25 times at least. I, I, they're Minnesota, and it's interesting. Minnesota, California, Texas, um, Florida, I think are the states that most provide the the people who uh, help PragerU. So I have a very great affection for Minnesota. They're very nice there. If you go there, people are polite and kind, and they vote for despicable human beings. So never confuse nice and wisdom. This was the issue in, the, in reverse with Donald Trump. Not nice, but damn wise. Right. That one wasn't for me. That was for him. I understand that. That's fine. Yeah, th th this was an amazing thing to me. People speaking about how they, they didn't, like, uh, didn't like Donald Trump. And, and uh, he, he, he had an affair with, with a porn actress. And I'm thinking, and so, therefore what? And, well, he's, he's not a model for my children. So I was thinking, okay. <laughs> I was a child. Never once did I think the president is my model. <laughs> who thinks that way? You know who my male models were? My dad, my older brother, my uncle, <laughs> my rabbi.
When you vote for president, you're not voting for uncle. You're not voting for rabbi, priest, or pastor. You're voting for president. Okay. And, and by the way, God seems to have an affinity for sinners. <laughs> he seems to be a believer that they can do a lot of good. King David didn't just commit adultery. He killed the man whose wife he slept with. That's pretty bad. That's bad news. And, and my favorite, though, my favorite. God takes the Israelites, the chosen people, into the promised land, right? And who is, makes it possible? What Canaanite? Did God choose an accountant? Did God choose a teacher, a nurse? He chose a prostitute. What kind of choice is that? I'll tell you what kind of choice. It's God telling you, please understand, sinners could do a lot of good and angels can do a lot of bad. It's a wise book. It's a very wise book. This is, this, this is why I said I, in fifth grade I was wiser than students at all your Ivy League colleges. Not because of me, because of what I was taught. From I'm the biggest problem in my life to people are not basically good. And all wisdom comes from knowing that there is something higher. Here's another thing. I make a big deal of this in, in my Bible commentary, which I fully admit I hope you read. And uh, I'm not afraid of sounding like a book salesman, A, because I wrote a lot of books and I only push this. And B, nobody writes a Bible commentary to get rich. Okay, just for the record, okay, I assure you another book on happiness would have done real, real well. As it happens, I have to admit to my unbelievable shock, my Bible commentary was number two on Amazon of all books sold in America. I, 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 I'm thrilled beyond words. By the way, better than that, I got a better one. So the next volume is Deuteronomy. It's five volumes on the first five volumes of the Bible. The Torah, as Jews know it, but the, the commentary is for everybody of every religion and no religion. Costco ordered 25,000 copies of Deuteronomy. And I keep telling people that is a sign of the Messianic age. Right, for you, second time, for me, the first time, but in any event, it is definitely Messianic. If Costco orders Deuteronomy, that's a big deal. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> however, I will say this, there's no question, the real test will come with Leviticus. <laughs> if Costco orders 25,000, no, 2,000. If Costco orders 107 copies of Leviticus, we're in a very special time in American history. By the way, to give you an idea, I really want to do this test, and I think I will, because some of you, if you watch PragerU, especially young people, know Will Witt. I, may, I, I think, I'll tell him that 32 of you applauded. And anyway, <laughs> so I would have sent him to Harvard, and I'm just going to have him stand, and we can definitely do this now that I think of it. And I'll remember I thought this idea up here. I say, Will, I want you to go to Harvard, and I want you to just stand in the, in the main square and ask students, what is Leviticus? <laughs> Interesting, right? 
I, if, if 10% know it, I will be pleasantly shocked. I believe none know it, unless by chance they went to a Christian or Jewish school, obviously. But if they went to any a secular school, it is, it is uh, very unlikely. The, you know what's on the Liberty Bell? The Liberty Bell has one thing written on it, a verse from Leviticus. And you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all, unto all its inhabitants, or unto unto all, there we go again, the Hebrew and English. You shall proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all its inhabitants. Leviticus 25. And first of all, it's so interesting, the founders knew Leviticus. That alone is such a powerful statement. This wasn't, you know, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody knows that one. But this is from Leviticus, not a well-known book. And they put that on there because they were God-centered. The founders of this country, everyone, including Benjamin Franklin, were God-centered. Do you know Franklin and, and uh, Jefferson designed a great seal of the United States? Look it up on the internet. We have the picture of it. It was the Jews leaving Egypt. Moses standing with a rod, the, the cloud guiding them unto the sea, and Pharaoh's chariot about to drown in the sea. That was what Franklin and Jefferson called deists, and they weren't, but they were called deists. That's how God-centered and Bible-centered they were. We are in a war. We are. We're in a war. You know it, and I know it. And they know it, and that's why you are the most hated group in America. Christians are the most hated, well, Christians faithful to the Bible. A lot of, a lot of Christians are, are leftists with a cross. A lot of Jews are leftists with the Torah. But, Jew, but Christians who are faithful to the Bible, like you, you are the most hated group in the United States. You're, only, you're the only group that is allowed to be hated. And by the way, isn't it interesting you ever hear of Islamophobia? What do you call hatred of Christians? There is no word. Shows you the lies that we live with. There's no, oh, really? There's no Christian hatred? Christians are being killed in the world today more than any other religion on earth. And there's no word for Christian hatred. Because the media couldn't care less, to be perfectly honest. That's the fact. You are hated, which means you're doing something right. One of my nightmares is that the New York Times will write something positive about me. It is at that moment I will realize I'm doing something wrong. I, uh, that, that, I'm, I'm not joking, I am not joking. That is how sick the New York Times is morally. That is how sick it is. There's a girl who, uh, you may have heard sit in for me. I never had anybody under 50 sit in for me. And uh, she's 21. That is how highly I think of her. She came she, through PragerU and me. She came to conservative principles. She does happen to go to Harvard, but that's it's a coincidence. I mean it sincerely. I mean, it's, it's just, that's not why I chose her. It's, I chose her because she's extraordinary. And she sat in for me. 
And now we found out that the Harvard Crimson, the Harvard newspaper, is thinking of doing a piece on her for sitting in for Dennis Prager, the well-known fascist, uh, on, uh, on her program. How could a Harvard student do that? So we just spoke today, my wife and I spoke to her on, on the way down here from LA. And to her great credit, she, she said, I am so proud that the Crimson hates me. And it, it, I, that was all I needed to hear. So I, I don't know if they'll write it up or not, but that she, she sits in for me is, is so sinful at Harvard. And they, they don't understand. They think, oh, she, she bought or she, she drank the Kool-Aid. Wait a minute. She has studied leftism her whole life, and she drank the Kool-Aid? You didn't? You who have not questioned a thing you have heard since kindergarten? You are the ones saying that she's the one who's brainwashed? When did you change your mind on one thing told to you by one teacher since first grade, you Harvard students? Not once. You drank it all in like it's gospel truth to a bad, bad simile, because they don't believe in that, obviously. No, they believe men give birth. This is a very, this is a very big deal that you have to say men give birth. You have to say it. If you don't say it, you're a hater, and now you're a denier of science. Science now backs the notion that men give birth. That's, the, that's their line. Here is the proof, you ready? To give you uh, an idea of the corruption in America. The American Medical Association has announced that no birth certificate in America should list the sex of the newborn. The American Medical Association. If what I told you is wrong, I should never be invited to speak again. But if what I told you is right, you should all ask your doctor, what do you think about the AMA statement that there should be no sex listed on a birth certificate? Are you protesting it? And if the answer is no, find another doctor. The corruption, the corruption in the sciences is as profound as in the so-called social sciences. Doctors have smeared themselves in the past year and a half. There are doctors who won't treat people who are not vaccinated. This is the first time in American history doctors have said they will, they'll treat murderers, mass murderers, rapists, during the AIDS epidemic, you think they wouldn't have treated somebody who had anal sex at a, at, a, uh, at a bathhouse? Of course not. And by the way, they should. They were morally bound to treat them as they are a murderer or anyone else. That is the doctor's duty. And, they, and there are doctors who are now announcing publicly with their names, do not treat the non-vaccinated for anything. These are lowlifes. These, these are perverters of medicine. There's a reason for this, and here's the reason. I've said this, oh, at least 25 years. Everything the left touches, it destroys. You, you must understand that, and then you understand everything. 
it began, I remember the first time I said it with the Boy Scouts. And I remember saying, they're destroying the Boy Scouts. And I'm just curious, once they destroy the Boy Scouts, will there be a left-wing Boy Scouts? And then I realized, of course not. The left builds nothing. It only destroys. Isn't that fascinating? They only destroy. Now, liberals build, conservatives build. There is nothing in common between liberals and leftists, but liberals still vote left. That is the tragedy of American life. Liberals do not defend liberalism. They defend leftism because they have been brainwashed into thinking you and I are their enemy. Conservatives, the left is the enemy of liberalism. Conservatives are the preservers of liberalism. And I will give you example after example, okay? Because this is critical that you know this, the difference between liberal and left. When I say left, I mean left, not liberal. Liberals are wimps, sweet, kind wimps. My, they're in my family. I love them. I do. They're wonderful people, but politically they're wimps. I, 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 and, I and I'm not kidding when I say I love them. These are wonderful people, and they're not leftists, but they vote left. And so they're ruining the country just as much as the leftist is, even though they don't mean to. So this is, this is an area you must understand. So I'll give you a couple of examples, difference between liberal and left. One I already gave you. It was about black graduations, but I'll give you another one related to blacks, black dormitories. Do you know that left, how many universities have black, all black dormitories? A white can't be part of it, only blacks. Again, only the left and the Ku Klux Klan support such racial segregation. So why do liberals vote left? Do liberals believe in segregation? No, liberals believe in integration but they still vote that way. But that's a liberal left difference. Another example of a liberal left difference, free speech. Liberals believe in free speech. The left has never believed in free speech. From Lenin to today, not John Lenin, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. From Lenin until today, the left has never supported free speech. Everywhere the left is in control, it suppresses free speech. From the university to the country. Please know that. They do not believe in freedom. They loathe freedom. That's the problem. This is the first time in American history free speech is under threat. That is the one freedom no one ever debated. When I was a kid, this, the Nazis marched in Skokie, Illinois. They, they picked this suburb of Chicago because a lot of Holocaust survivors lived there. So these, these are pure, pure, purely sadistic people. March where people had their whole families gassed. Every Jewish organization, every liberal organization defended the Nazis' right to march in Skokie. They were right. That's the way it works in America. Scum is allowed to speak what they want. Now, decent people can't speak what they want. All because of the left. Liberals believe in free speech. Conservatives believe in free speech. No leftist does because the day they believe in free speech, they leave the left. 
You are no longer a leftist in good standing if you believe in free speech. You know how many Americans are afraid to say what they think? Because they'll lose their job or lose their friends, lose their kids, lose their income. This has never happened in America. Anyway, I, I just wanted to make that liberal left distinction. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more example. Israel. Liberals were always pro-Israel. They still are. The left has always been anti-Israel. Just another example. Liberals and conservatives support Israel. The left hates Israel. These, these differences are critical. I mentioned about might lose your kid. I want to dwell on that for a moment. How many of you, raise your hand. I, I, you know, I very rarely, I don't like when speakers do this, but it's only a personal quirk. But I'm doing it because I have to do it for, to make my point. So raise your hand and don't be self-conscious because it doesn't mean it's in your family. Just raise your hand if you know any family where an adult child does not speak to his or her parents. Raise your hands, please. Everybody look around at how many hands are up. Okay, so this is, is it fair to say between a third and a half? And this is among very conservative religious people, most, most of you being that. And, and a third to a half of you know a family where it, and by the way, you probably don't know every family where it does take place because they're ashamed to tell you. People don't like telling people that my, my son doesn't speak to me. They tell me on the radio, that's how I know how common it is. You know how many of those kids are not speaking to their parents because the parent or parents voted for Trump? Those kids, oh, can I use the S word again? Those kids are scum. I'm sorry if you know such a kid. I, I, I loathe those, those kids of 25, 35, 45. I loathe them. And guess what? Guess what the key thing is? The key thing is they don't believe what you and I believe, that God commands every one of us to honor your father and mother. Do you know anybody who won't speak to a parent because they voted for Biden? I don't. I ask callers to call me. Do you know? It's crickets. Nobody knows anybody. If, you, if I met a kid who didn't speak to a parent because they voted for Joe Biden, whom I believe is ruining this country by the day, nevertheless, if I met a kid who didn't speak to their parents because they voted for Biden, I would say you're a sinner. You should repent to God and to your parents and call them up and tell them you are mom and dad and I am sorry. But you see, you and I believe that we are accountable to God. The left doesn't. Changes your life. I had problems with my parents. Most people do. I had problems in my late teens and my early 20s. But you know what? I really did believe God commanded me, me, Dennis, to honor your father and mother. And I know it from the Hebrew because the Hebrew, Hebrew has... Unlike English, it has a plural for you and a singular for you. Every one of the Ten Commandments is in the singular. It's a huge... Well, for that alone, you should get my commentary on Exodus. Just... <laughs> wanted, to, 
When I saw your pastor go, wow, I go, all right, all right. He's ordering it now on Amazon. Two, order two, yeah. It's called the Rational Bible, and, and it's because I use reason to explain everything. Take that wisdom of honor your father and mother. See, my, my project in life is to spread the Ten Commandments. That is, that's my project in life. You know why? That's all you need for a good world. If people observed the Ten Commandments, there would be no armies. We wouldn't need police. The world would be so beautiful. You can't get better than the Ten Commandments. It, 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 and so take the wisdom of honor your father and your mother. Let me give you a few of the insights to how genius this is, why I believe it's from God. So, for example, note, the Bible tells us to love the stranger, to love our neighbor, to love God, New Testament, to love your enemy. But it never tells us to love our parents. The Bible is wise. It understands not everybody can love their parents. That's okay. What's not okay is if you don't honor your parents. That's wisdom. You don't love your parents who voted for Trump? Okay, you're entitled. I got this insight in one of my first years of radio. Guy called my show, and I've always allowed calls on anything, which is, I've learned an immense amount from callers. Guy calls my show. This was in the 1980s. And he was, I would say he's about 40 years old. He said, Dennis, you got to help me out here. I, I am a really lousy son. And I go, oh, and tell me why you feel that way. He said, well, for the last 10 years, I have been the sole financial, emotional, physical support of my ailing mother. And to be honest, there were times to, I wish she would, I would wish she would pass away from her illness. So I said to the guy, said, I just want you to know, I think you are one of the best sons I have ever had the honor to speak to. He actually said, I'll never forget this. You're making fun of me, aren't you? I said, first of all, I never make fun of listeners. Number two, I am as serious as I can be. I don't judge you by what you think. I judge you by what you do. You're, you're incredible. The very fact that you would like her to pass on proves how good you are because you don't act on that. You're taking care of her. And it, it changed his life, I know that. But I got this, I got this from the, the Bible. I, I, this is, I don't take credit for this stuff. I, I have a cheat sheet. I, I do. I really do. Honor your father and mother. You're honoring your mother. You, you wish he'd pass away? That, there's no law against not wishing your parent passed away. Okay? I, I can't find it. And I know the Old Testament almost by heart. Okay? I, I can't find it. And I'm sure it's not in the New Testament, uh, which I know, but not as well as the, as the, uh, as the Old. So 
the, the guy, the guy didn't understand. That's that's what matters. He's honoring his parents. I'm not asking you to love them. Ask you have to honor them. I had problems with my parents at those years, but you know what? When I, I moved out of my parents' home at 21, and I called my parents every week the rest of my life, till my mother died at 89 and my father at 96. There wasn't a week I missed, and I've been to 130 countries. I call them from everywhere. And I did it because of the commandment. Later on, I did it to make them feel good, and, and certainly we reconciled and everything. But I did it because of the commandment. That's good. You know, that this will fascinate you, fascinate you. In the Talmud, the second holiest work in Judaism, is the following statement 2,000 years ago from the great rabbis. It is better to do the right thing because God commanded it than because you think it's the right thing to do, which is completely counterintuitive. Alan Dershowitz, whom I give great credit to, he has courage. He's a liberal with courage, which means he's not a leftist. And, and, and he has taken on the left, and he has defended Trump even though he didn't vote for him. So he and I have had three public dialogues in Miami, New York, and, and in L.A., and, and on the radio. And he's, he, he's secular, completely secular. And he, said, and he said, Dennis, I have great respect for you, which he does, but I'm a better person than you, which is fine. I have no issue with that. And I said, why? He said, because I do the right thing because I believe it's the right thing. You do because you think God wants it. So here's the point, the genius of the Talmudic statement. What if you think the wrong thing? What if you come up with a bad idea? I'll rely on the guy who does it because God commands it way sooner than on the guy who thought it was a good idea. I called my parents every week because God told me to. If I'd have left it to my own devices, I don't know how often I'd have called them. But I believe, unlike my friend Alan Dershowitz, I'm accountable to God for my behavior. That's a big deal. And given, given the weakness of the human condition, it's a pretty important condition. It helps achieve goodness on this, on this planet. By the way, Pastor, what does that mean, minus 1954? Does, does, does that mean that's how much left or how much I gone over? I think it's how much I went over, isn't it? No, no, no. It's all right. <laughs> Thank you. I feel bad. <laughs> no, no, I feel bad because I didn't say it in order for you to applaud. <laughs> I, I really don't know what it means. I think uh, I think I went over, but it's okay. I, I hear you. Anyway, the pastor and I are going to dialogue, so I'm, I'm not even finished when I'm finished. You'll be very happy when I'm finally finished. But but it, 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 these are these are these are the great ideas. This is this is the battle. That, that's why you're hated. You stand for someone that we're accountable to. Who's a leftist accountable to? Their conscience. Oh, wow, that's gotten us very far in history, hasn't it? You're accountable to your conscience. That's great. Every murderer in prison 
was accountable to his conscience. Roy Baumeister is one of America's leading criminologists. And I interviewed him a number of times. He has written and told me on the air of all the people he's ever treated as a psychologist, the ones with the greatest self-esteem are murderers. And he's right. Think about it. You've got to think real well of yourself to think you could take somebody else's life. You must be the center of the earth. They're just a piece of crap. That's something. I mean, I find it hard to, to in any way, uh, not, not treat somebody beautifully because I walk around thinking they're all created in God's image. Right? Isn't that, a, isn't that a good way to walk around life? Even this person is in God's image? To give you an idea of how sick the, what the left has created is, they, not only do they tell us that men give birth, they tell us that colorblind is racist. That's right. Read it. That's what they say. Colorblind is racist. So if I see you before I see your color and I, have, I attach zero significance to your color, I'm a racist. That's exactly what the Ku Klux Klan believes. If you're black, I know a lot about you. That's pure racism. But if you're black, I know nothing about you. If you're white, I know nothing about you. Your skin color is as important as your shoe color. No, I'm wrong. Less important. And let me tell you something. When I say that at a college campus, there's booing. That's how bad it is. Skin color is important. I look at them. You believe skin. Tell me what does it say about you? Tell me what does it say about your heart, your mind, your loves, your, 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 your personality, your interests, your values. Tell me one thing your skin color tells me about you. It tells me nothing. And you believe it's important? I don't believe there's one person in this room who thinks skin color is important. That's the irony. And you know why? Because if you take the Bible seriously, you know it has no significance. What color was Adam, the first human created in God's image? What color? Hello? Anybody know? Better. Anybody care? So I will end with this. This is a very big deal. So when I hear that men give birth, men menstruate, it is not women giving birth, birthing persons. Medical schools now say birthing persons. Did you know that? Yeah, look that up. Birthing persons. So this has given me a deep insight into the left. The left ultimate aim, aside from power, that's their most immediate aim, but their ultimate aim is chaos. So I got this too from the Bible. So listen to this. You'll love this. So in the first chapters of Genesis, the word create is used three times. Bara is the Hebrew word. First verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then twice about speaking about creating the human being. 
just the world and the human are created. What does God do for six days? What God does for six days is make order. That's what he does. You mentioned it, right, Pastor? Separating light from dark. Separation is the Hebrew word for holy, by the way. Kadosh means separate. God makes distinctions. So my belief is the first sentence is the most important sentence in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, because if you don't believe that, don't bother reading anything else. But guess what I think is the second most important verse? Verse 2. And everything was chaos. Null and void, it's called, but it means chaos. Chaos is the natural state. It is the pre-divine state. The left rejects the divine and wishes to bring humanity back to chaos. Because when you get rid of God, you end up with chaos. That is what explains men give birth. That is what explains that sex slash gender is non-binary as they use it. Of course it's binary. And God created the human being, Zachar unikeva barautam, male and female, he created them. Doesn't say that about animals. That's true, there are male and female animals, but where it matters is in the human race. Male and female is a divine distinction. Men give birth is the opposite of divine distinction. That's what this battle is ultimately about. God's order and left-wing chaos. Thank you very much.